Tony Grasso is a principal consultant at cybersecurity firm Titanium Defence. He worked at GCHQ in the UK and is a former intelligence officer in New Zealand. Uh, and, of course, uh, a security expert. And uh, the breaches just keep coming. They tell do. me about last pass, please. I'm still um, upset about forward passes. But <laughs> tell me yes. about last pass. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> so last pass. So we're always told, and it's drummed into us, so that we need to get password managers. Password managers are a good thing. A password manager is a software application that helps users store and manage their password for multiple websites and applications. One of the old problems that we used to have is people would reuse their same password across many sites. So when one password got compromised, then there was uh, all of their all of their passwords and all of their sites were compromised. LastPass, however, are, are this this particular company have had breaches. Again and again and again, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2022, and, and just recently 2023. Why this is particularly interesting is, one, I don't know how they stay in business because there are an awful lot of password managers out there that you can use uh, that don't suffer this problem. And two, it's one of the few times they're actually able to quantify in dollars, US dollars, of course, um, the amount that these breaches have actually cost. So in this particular case, they, they, they estimate, with, and it's a good approximation, 35 million US dollars. Um, they've been able to estimate that because uh, there are about 80 users that had their crypto wallet passwords in the, in the data that got breached. And they know currently that 25, uh, they contribute 25 have been already um, breached and had their money taken of $4.4 million. But the estimate is, is as I say, is a lot bigger than that. Um, I think the, the the thing is here is, though, password managers are good. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just think that, like anything, if you're going to have a security bit of software, you still have to do a bit of research and find out how well that company's security is working for you. And that's almost, that, and we, we talk about this again and again. That's true whether you're looking for an MSP or you're, you're buying SaaS software or anything else. You've got to find out about how good that company's security is before you put all of your credentials or well, you use that software. Especially your password, which is your yeah. passport to anywhere in someone's life, yes. basically, isn't it? Do we know any more about. Uh, about the, the weakness, or, or, or is it just, as you say, they seem to have been repeat offenders, so to speak? Well, I just think I think it's one of those things like Microsoft is, because LastPass are the biggest people on the block, they're going to attract the most attention. But I think the user has responsibility as well. And the, a lot of applications ask for two-factor authentication. People are most used to that now. Um, I would always go, I would always take responsibility of whatever site you're logging into saying, if I lost my password to this site, somebody got into this site because I'm only using a password, what data can they take and does it matter to me? And if it does matter to you, then take extra precautions and and enable 2FA. If 2FA is not available on that site for whatever reason, you know, check with yourself and go, actually, can I use a competitor's product instead that has got security around it, right? So uh, it's all great for bashing one software company, but I don't think that's completely fair. We still have a responsibility to have multiple uh, authentication methods if that data is important to you. How do most people access multi-factor authentication, actually? 
Um, well, that, it is only if the site itself enables provides it. it. Yeah, it provides it. And like Banks, with your, for example. There you go. So we're all very used to that, and you have mm. to put in a pin or you have an app on your phone or something like that. But um, there is so much choice out there now that if the, the software you're using doesn't have it and this information is important to you, then go and find someone else. Now, let's talk about this recent uh, meetup of the Five Eyes yeah. security heads, all sitting on stage in an open panel chaired by Condoleezza Rice, former mm. Secretary of State. Uh, what, what did you take from you? Straight away, you're suspicious, right? It's like, what do they want? <laughs> uh, we never hear from these people. Why are they yeah. doing this openly? And we had an interview also with um, the, head, the now head of the SIS, former head of the GCSB, Andrew Hampton, yeah. uh, afterwards. And his real focus was a warning to companies that who they partner with matters, that their, Absolutely. Um, that their commercial secrets are of interest to people and yep. that some of what they're producing are of interest to people. What do you want to make in the first instance of... of um, of, of what you saw and the message that came out of that? Um, I, my, my guess, my educated guess would be that there's so much espionage going on where it, you know, and it's it's a recent phenomenon that it's gone exponential to a point where governments can't cope with the amount of espionage on their own. Right. Um, and I think that part of, when they do this kind of stuff, they are, they are saying there is so much evidence and there's so much uh, losing of our IP that there's real concern from the government. And the only thing they can do is actually inform the public. So let's talk about the different types of espionage. There may be um, attempts to thieve um, government data, yep. but this uh, specifically, the message coming out of the New Zealand spy boss anyway, was about your commercial IP Absolutely. and your commercial data. So those thefts uh, might be of intellectual property yep. that are of benefit to... It actually named, it pretty much outed uh, a few players, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, one of the areas that they particularly talked about was uh, artificial intelligence. And that's something that they're really concerned about. Uh, MI5 in the UK came out and did a separate article about the use of AI in uh, that China is using for various missions. Um, I know from working in New Zealand, there are a lot of niche companies we have over here that we don't even know about that exist. This was Andrew Hampton's target and trying to sort of extract from him specifically which sectors he was talking about. It definitely was the AI. It was the cutting edge yep. and the smaller players and the lesser known players he had on his mind. And yep. he was talking about be careful who you partner with. Yeah, because absolutely. Because from, from, the, from the state's perspective, from the spy agency's perspective, because what? Well, because it, you, you're going to give away... You're going to give away your secret source. You know, the, 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 this is about intellectual drain, right? So if somebody sat and, and, and solved problems that it would take somebody else 10 years to, to solve because somebody's been working on it, they'd get it for free, right? So what, they, what you're giving them is massive leaps in understanding. A, a great example is over here at the moment, um, we have a new tech company, um, a biotech company that is doing some in, innovative things. Uh, here in New Zealand, and uh, they would have solved certain issues that is difficult to do, and they've got they've made it into a good process, and it's going to become a I think it will become a really big uh, way to help treat people with cancer over here. You don't want that that process, that intellectual property, going offshore. I'm working with a I'm working with a tech company at the moment. They've come up with a 
really cool way for companies to fastly, rapidly prototype the use of AI within their organizations, you know, get used to using it. Because everyone talks about AI, but actually implementing it's not that straightforward. They've come up with a, with a, it's a, it's a product, it's still in its relatively early stages, but it's, it's ready for prototyping and people are starting to come and get used to it and play with it. And I'm helping them with some of that work. And I wouldn't want to see all that intellectual property just, just stolen. disappear. Just, just stolen. stolen. And, then and how, how is that happening then? Because this was oh. more about be careful who you partner with. And I think there is a sort of a national security component to that that we might yeah. come back and discuss. Uh, it, it, how is that theft happening? Is it via a partnership where you think you've got all the rules mm. stitched and, and um, the agreement stitched, but actually someone's doing the duty on you? Or is it, again, hacking, poor security? All, all, all of the above, I'd imagine, depending on what... Well, and depending on what it is, I'd imagine they would use multiple attempts, roads in, to get the data that they want. If it's something really complicated, they would more likely partner because it will probably take some time to find out who the important players, you know, who actually has the intellectual property, where the actual data is, um, as well as using cyber intrusions to go and have a look around the systems, right? But it's all about targeting the right people, the right data, because you can hoover up all this data, but you'll have so much data, you may not be able to make head and the tail of it. So I'd imagine... The way that I've seen things have gone is in the very, very early days, it used to be uh, human intelligence only, which is me convincing someone to give me their information. Corpor- then it all corporate went, spying. Corp- yep. Mm. Then it all went to listening to radio waves, and we've got most of our intelligence that way. And now it is, I would have blend of the two. I think it's going to be human, which is what you're talking about in terms of partnership, and using um, cyber attacks in conjunction to get everything that you need. The other warning that seemed to come out, and I didn't watch this whole event on on the stage, but the Mm. other warning that seemed to come out of it was that some of those cutting-edge companies will also be producing technology that could have military applications. And regrettably, just a lot of the new tech is that situation, right? A lot of these companies are having to ask themselves the question, uh, am I going to allow my tech, my rocket, um, my, um, uh, my satellite to do stuff that could be used for military applications. That's not a new issue either. No, indeed. Uh, but if you're talking bio, mm-hmm. um, the whole area of bio-innovation, is what you're producing able to be used as a bioweapon or as a disruptor to yeah. utilities or whatever? Do you think that's very much on their minds as well? Um, I, I would guess that that whatever a competing country can take as an advantage and leverage they will um so whether that's in the terms of bio whether it's in in the terms of cyber or drones or you know technology you know, traditional technology that we're used to i think i think that everyone's particularly drones are a great example yeah warfare's gone asymmetric as uh-huh. we're going to talk about that a bit later on right it's gone asymmetric so i reckon everything's on the table i mean if you know covid managed to shut the whole world down um didn't you know there was a number of deaths associated with it but it manages to put the whole brakes on everybody in the economy you know mm. uh, imagine if you were able to tailor that and deploy it 
Also, drones are a great example. Things like um, satellite, Google Earth technology, yep. all the stuff that's actually quite old now. Yeah, yeah, right. But it is allowing a precision yep. of targeting of individuals yep. that, that could be used and abused. So they seem to have that on their minds as well. And, and, and is it just a way to get as much intelligence, as much cooperation as they can possibly get? Or as you alluded to, is it a sign that they're swamped and they're struggling to keep up? I think it's probably... I don't... I think it'd be unfair to say that they're swamped, they can't keep up, but they, the, the, but, but I think there's an element of that because they're trying to get their message out to as many people as they can because they can't, they can't touch everybody. Otherwise, our, you know, our government, our government departments would swell to an unbelievable size. And I think they've got enough concern that they want to reach out to everyone. So, for example, another great example is the company that I'm working with are probably too small for them to be even on the radar of our government here. But thanks to to them coming out and being public, I'm able to transmit that message across as well. And you know, I, the, the great thing is that they've been, they've been working with me anyway, so they kind of knew about this stuff. But that's the idea: really, is to get it to, to to everybody across the nation and go. You are actually the stuff you do is probably important. You know, think about who you're partnering with and think about your cybersecurity. Yeah. Now, staying with this theme, um, yes. the genetic data, the whole... <laughs> wow. This, this is 23andMe. Yeah. But, but beyond this, the whole idea of handing your DNA data over to anyone, wow. we, yeah. <laughs> we'll probably be able to clone ourselves one day. <laughs> We're probably not that far off it. No. I leave hair everywhere. Someone will use it to, you know. Um, that's how quickly our science is, is, yeah. um, is advancing. So when you're handing over your DNA, you're handing over... About as fundamental as it gets when it comes to information, right? What's happened with Twenty Three and Me? So Twenty Three and Me, and again, I don't want to just pick on them because it's just a recent story. But Twenty Three and Me are those who do the heritage um, samples, and they show your your tree, your you know your genetic, family tree, your yeah. family tree, yeah. and where you come from, and all that. And I've actually done it myself, but not with Twenty Three and Me, thankfully. Um, but it's only recently, and I did this about ten, fifteen years ago. Because I was really interested. Um, I'm Maltese, and uh, and Malta has been pretty much invaded by everybody over the centuries. And I was really interested to see, you know, what my genetics look like. But now, when I started to see how it's great that law enforcement use them in the states to find out. Oh, they're finding they're solving cold cases, and that's people great. are finding out. Their Love that parents aren't their parents. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of this is happening. Love that. Yeah. I think that's really great, and I'm, I'm really happy to contribute to that. But there are no rules around this. So what I can see in the future, and it's happened, I'll, I'll explain this in, in another way, that insurance companies might be able to get hold of this data and now use it against you when it comes uh-huh. to insuring you. Because I, there may be things in my genetic tree I am unaware of that I may be susceptible for. It may skip my generation, um, but they may insure against me, but not today. The insurance company is slow. They'll cap, but they'll catch up. And now, if my if, if your DNA has been thrown out onto the dark web, is available, you know, it could be hoovered up and could be used inappropriately. What was the breach apart from anything else? Um, the, the, this breach was, it was a straightforward. They went in and took all of the data that was on the database, so your names, addresses, all of the stuff you saw, but also your all of the DNA code that was encoded on their databases has all been taken. So it's like a normal name and address thing, but now you have like and genetic sequence kind, kind so of So what thing. use is that currently on the dark web to whom? I would say zero now. But the problem is, is that 
your future generations remember mm. that it could be a problem to, it could be because it could be a problem in 15 20 30 years when insurance companies are able to use this data to quote and they can go back up the trail. I well, don't they know. shouldn't be able to use the dark web to do that. that there, well, there, there, there should be privacy and information protections against that. But the, I, I agree, and it's bad form, but somebody will do it if there are no laws around it, right? And I think really that's what I'm talking about. I think there needs to be some thought around because currently it's just a, a repository of data that's very useful. As we can see, people are using it for law enforcement. That's great, but we don't want to expand. Um, I've, I've found I've just recently also heard that their insurance companies are now are providing insurance for organisations and security services. So the two things I don't think are great bedfellows because you literally have to sh- show this insurance company all of your dirty secrets, right? And that's going to become very expensive, I think, for any company to keep up with the amount of holes and things that they have. Can, they can you be specific about that? What declaration are they requiring, the, the insurance companies? No, so, you can, so a company can, uh, they, they will cover you if you use their security services. But the problem with that is, is that you have to be completely transparent about every problem that you have. And I think for organisations, it's really hard to be so cyber secure that an insurance company won't find an issue or are happy to insure again. Do you know what I mean? Because there's lots well, of stuff you can sort of gloss over. Or, that's, that, that's the same argument as you have with health insurance where they say you yeah, need right. to tell us it, but, but the onus is on you to determine what, and I can give you the words, quote unquote, what a prudent insurer would want to see. Well, yeah, right. the customer isn't a prudent insurer. No. <laughs> the customer <laughs> yeah, right. who, who wants insurance, so you yeah. tell us what you need. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just thinking also if their data got hacked with all your security weaknesses out on the dark web, that yep. would be interesting as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, last one today. Uh, hacktivists are uh, in targeting uh, Israeli entities with so-called wiper malware. Which yep. uh, entities are being targeted? Where is this happening? And what is wiper malware? Okay, so I'll start with... Um, so, so wiper malware in this particular case is, is somebody's put... It's very easy to do. If you know anything about development at all very program it's a very easy thing to do it literally will delete files um it delete files in a particular way that that you can't ever get them back um why i've seen this in the movies it's yeah. always a huge scene in the movie whether the person can delete the files before someone yeah. comes through the door and catches right. them yeah yeah that's it's right. actually it's always, a thing and it's always the 1990s uh, <laughs> bar true. going up to line 100%. by line <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah. W- what i think is really interesting about it so this is a pro hamas um, these are pro-Hamas people who are attacking Israeli sites. I'm not totally clear on what the targets are. What I thought was interesting about this, and I think which is, again, something that's very worrying, is they're hacktivists. People may not hear this term very often, but they're, it's an activist who are hackers, right? So it's people who have a strong opinion um, about this war who are not who are not engaged in the military in any way but are just your average citizen who think well i'm going to do something for my country and they go about doing their own cyber attacks right so it's most most likely unsanctioned by the government probably completely unknown by the government it can be done by anybody around the world who has that feeling doesn't have to be even a countryman who does it it can be anyone who agrees with with which either side that they want to agree with and i think that the what's interesting about this is it opens up the war field to everybody almost, and everybody can almost take their turn. Like I actually find that whole thing really concerning because one of the things, one of the things about conventional warfare is, it's it's run by professionals. 
It's got government involved. There's a whole stream of people that are, are that are controlling this thing. But with stuff like this now, it's going out to particularly anyone who who can get to a keyboard and be a keyboard warrior. And you know, anyone can get involved. And I, and I find that that are quite a a worrying trend that's that's starting to happen. Well, as we said, uh, you know, future conflicts, in fact, yeah. it's not future conflicts, are, are um, not necessarily of what we're seeing at the moment or invasions of Ukraine or anything else. They will be attacks on utilities. They yep. will be um, uh, taking out uh, from a distance using technology in order to inflict, uh, yeah, right. uh, inflict the suffering, right? Um but again, as you say, in this instance, if, if this could apply to, to entities during a war, uh, could it not apply at other times as well? Well, it, it could. But one of the visions I had was imagine, so we all get outraged, rightly, when a, either a rocket is misdirected or was purposely directed into a civilian area, right? That's one of the things that we read that headline and we're all outraged and that's, that's important. But if what happens now if they're saying we were actually targeting uh, an, a, a hacker in this block of flats... There was no other way to get him other than, but and he was being very successful, or he or she was being very mm. successful attacking us, and we took them out, and that's why we did it, and that's their justification. It all starts to get very murky, yes. right? Um, and uh, and because the, and, and, they they always have to justify, and I really like that that they now have to justify about uh, their targets and why they got hit and so on. Um, I think that's I think that's great that we're able to do that. But they could start using this as justification for hitting traditional civilian areas. And, and this is scary. Tony, thank you. Tony Grosso 